We are born from above to live from above. We must live out of our life in Christ and live in accordance to kingdom ways and principles. We collaborate with God to walk in the natural, what he has already completed for us in the spiritual. Living from above is the key to living a victorious Christian life. All right. So if you brought your Bible, let's stand up to our feet and uh, uh, let's make our declaration this morning. I'd request you to please hold your Bible in your hands and I'll begin to declare together what the Word of God says about us. Let's do this loud, bold, and strong. This is God's Word. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing. To many people, I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am an absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Shake hands, please, with the person next to you. Let them know your name. Get to know their name. Say hello. And you may be seated. All right, one more thing. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I am born from above. Okay, tell them one more time. I am born from above. To live from above. So that's the title of this morning's sermon. We are born from above to live from above. Let's turn our Bibles, please, to John chapter 3. We will get started from John chapter 3. We'll spend some time on this. John chapter 3, we'll read verses 1 to 13. Jesus is speaking to a man named Nicodemus. He's explaining to him about the new birth. And uh, let's read from verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we know this passage. Jesus said, unless somebody is born again, they cannot see, they cannot enter, they cannot experience God's kingdom. That word born again, also can be translated born anew or born from above. Unless someone is born from above, they cannot enter God's kingdom. So Nicodemus asks him, verse 4, How can a man be born, that means born again, when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now in this context, water, referring to the natural birth, Spirit, referring to being born of the Spirit. 
unless one is born, not only naturally, but they have to have a second birth. And that second birth is a birth not by natural means, not of water, but it's a birth of the Spirit. So unless one is born of the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. This born anew, being born from above, is being born of the Spirit. Now I understand sometimes people may interpret water as the Word because the water is, is, a, is symbolic of the Word of God. and That's fine. But in the context of what Jesus is speaking, water is talking about the natural birth. And being born of the Spirit, talking about being born from above. And verse 6, that which is born of the flesh, that's the natural birth, is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit, that's the being born from above, is spirit. Do not marvel, I say to you, you must be born again. You must be born from above. It's necessary for every person to experience this, to be born from above. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So he's saying, look, you see, you, you experience the wind. You know it's blowing, but you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going, but you experience it. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. You know what's happening. You know what has happened, but you can't explain it. You can't explain where it's come from, where it's going. It's a work of the Spirit. It's unexplainable, but you know what's happened. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, We speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. Verse 12, If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. Notice verses 12 and 13. Jesus is telling us that there are earthly things and then there are heavenly things. There are things that are of this realm, world below, and then there are things that are heavenly from the world above. And then in verse 13, Jesus makes this statement. He says, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who came down from heaven, referring to himself, the Son of Man who is in heaven. So he is right now standing on earth talking to Nicodemus, the Son of Man who is on earth. But he's also saying the Son of Man who is presently in heaven. He's the one who came from above. He's living on the earth, he's on the earth, but he is also in heaven. He's on the earth, but he's also one with the Father. He said, I and the Father are one. We are one. Father and I are one. So Jesus, who came from above, when he walked on the earth, he walked, although he was living on the earth, in this habitat, in this environment, he was living his life from above. He was one with the Father. He said things like this. He said, I do nothing of myself. But what I see the Father do, I say nothing of myself. Except what the Father has taught me. So here's the point. Jesus lived his life on the earth as a man. But he lived his life from above. Are you with me so far? Yes? Now, 
you and I as believers, all of us as believers, we are all born from above. First John chapter 5 verse 1. Or uh, let me just back up here. Let's just back up to John chapter 8 and verse 23. Notice what Jesus says in John 8 and verse 23. He said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. So he's, he's drawing a distinction. You're from here, I'm from there. You're of this world, I'm not from this world. So although he was in this world, he was living his life in this world from the other world from above. Now let's talk about you and me as believers. All of us as believers, we have been born of God. First John 5 verse 1, He who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So say this with me, I am born of God. All of us, we who believe that Jesus is the Christ, we are born of God. It means God's given birth to you. There's something of God in you. You are a partaker, as the Bible says, of divine nature. The life and the nature of God is in you. That's Zoe life. He who has the Son has life. That's Zoe. The life and the nature of God, it's in you. You're, you're born of God. You've got that in you. And right now, as believers, we are connected with God. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 17 says this, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him, is spiritually one with him. So say this with me. I am spiritually one with Jesus. So we are here on earth, but we are connected to heaven. Amen? Is it getting too complicated now? You're understanding? Right? We are here on earth, but we are connected to heaven. We're connected to the Lord. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You're here on earth, but you're connected to him. And what I want us all to understand is that as believers, we have been born from above to live from above. To live out of this connectivity that we have with the Lord himself. So say this with me. I am born from above to live from above. Let's say it one more time just to convince ourselves. (laughs) I'm born from above to live from above. So what does it mean? To live from above? And how do we live that? How do we live from above? What does it mean, first of all, to live from above? I know I'm born from above. I'm born of God. I'm born from heaven. But what does it mean to live from that realm? To live from above? To live from above simply means this. It means that we live out of our life, our position, and our identity in Jesus. We live out of that. Live out of who you are in Him. And that we live according to His ways and His principles. Are you with me? So what does it mean to live from above? It means that we live out of who we are in Him. Our life, our position, our identity in Jesus. Live out of that. And live according to His ways and to His principles. Now, this is a growth process. Meaning it's not going to happen automatically. But we grow into this. And the more we learn to live from above, as we keep doing it, as we keep growing in it, we'll come to a place where it becomes the norm for us. It becomes normal for us to live from above, not from beneath. It becomes normal as we keep walking that way. It becomes normal to look at life situations. It becomes normal to respond to situations 
not from as though we are from beneath, but as we are indeed from above. So when there are difficult situations, there are storms, there are mountains, there are valleys, there are all kinds of things that come through in life. What do we do? We respond to them based on our identity in Him and according to His ways and according to His principles. And that's the way as believers we're called to live. If you're with me, say amen. If you don't, don't just tell the person, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> so let's say, say that together again. I'm born from above to live from above. So now, how do we do this? There are two important disciplines or practices that we need to maintain in order to live from above. The Bible requires or teaches us to do that. First is the renewing of the minds. The renewing of the minds. We are familiar with this verse in Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Do I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world. Don't live from below. But be transformed. Live from above. How? By the renewing of your minds. So that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How do you live from above? By the renewing of your minds. What does it mean to renew our mind? It means that I change my thinking. I change my way of looking at things. I change my reasoning. And how does that happen? When we embrace the word of God. The word of God. As we assimilate the Word of God into our heart and our mind, as we meditate on it, we begin to change the way we think. We begin to think according to God's ways and God's thoughts rather than the ways and the thoughts of this world. And when our thinking is renewed, we begin, our life is transformed. We begin to live from above rather than from beneath. You with me so far? So that's why it's important for us to hear the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Meditate in the Word of God. We encourage all of us. You know, you take your Bible. Read it. Understand the Word of God. Receive the Word. Understand His ways. Understand His thoughts. Receive it. Make it part of your thinking. You begin to think like Him. You begin to look at things like Him. Your mind's renewed. And then you begin to live from above. Isaiah 55, 7-9, through familiar passage. God says, let the wicked forsake his ways. His way of doing things. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts, his way of thinking. So you leave that aside. Come to me. I will have mercy. I will abundantly pardon. And then he continues saying, for my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and my thoughts. And these are ways higher than yours. The ways and the thoughts of God are way above the ways and thoughts of man. And so God invites us. You come embrace my words. As you continue reading that passage, he talks about his words. So his word now helps us understand his ways and his thoughts. The ways and thoughts of God. The ways and thoughts that are from above. And as we begin to look at life from that perspective, we begin to live life from above. So, Think about some practical scenarios, some practical situations. For instance, let's think about giving money. If I live from the ways of man below, 
and I'm, 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 I know I'm making generalizations here. Yeah, this may not be true in every case. But generally, the way of the world is your money, you earned it, keep it. Generally. Don't give it. But as I open the word and expose my mind to the word of God, God's word says things like this. It is more blessed to give than to? God's word says things like, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So as I begin to expose my mind to God's ways and God's thoughts, my mind is renewed and I begin to live from above. It frees me up to be willing to give. I'm willing to release rather than hold back. Or think about our conduct, the way we live. The way of the world, the way that's from below. Nobody really cares. And I, again, I'm making generalizations here. Nobody really cares about honesty, integrity, purity. Nobody really cares about it. Just do whatever you feel like. But as I expose myself to the word of God, I begin to realize God says, be holy because I am holy. God says, I am truth. He wants us to walk in truth, in integrity, in honesty. And so I begin to forsake my own ways and my own thoughts and I begin to embrace the word of God and then I soon begin to start living from above rather than from beneath. Are you with me so far? Tell your neighbor, he's going to step on your toe. Tell them once again, he's going to step on your toe now. I want to talk about another area because it has come up in recent weeks and uh, so I thought I'd address it publicly in church. And I, I don't always do this, but because it's a matter of some importance, I thought I'll talk about it. I want to talk about social drinking. Ouch. Uh, the reason I'm talking about it is because I'm, I'm running into more and more people, I'm talking about believers, who think social drinking is okay. Now I want to let you know that me personally, as, as, a past, as our pastoral team, as a ministry team, and it's something we require of all those serving in church, of all our volunteers. No social drinking. Okay? So, Pastor, we still love you. <laughs> That's our stance. I'll explain why. So, you know, it's very clear in the Bible that drunkenness is sin. There's no question about it. Both Old Testament and New Testament. Several scriptures. You know, Romans 13, 13, Galatians 5. Several scriptures, they talk about drunkenness as sin. That means if we get drunk, that is sin. It's a work of the flesh. No question about it. So, you know, those of us, uh, hopefully, none among us, but, you know. <laughs> but believers who want to excuse themselves to drink socially, they make this excuse, I'm not drunk. I'm still sober. After three mugs, maybe, I'm still sober. <laughs> I'm not drunk. Still sober. So I'm not sinning. That's their explanation. And so, you know, I had, uh, and I'll come to the stories later, but so here's what I want us to understand. You know, I'm not here to say, I'm not here to be God. I'm not here to judge you and say, you know, if you drink socially, you're going to hell. That's not, I know the Bible doesn't say that. And I wouldn't say that. I, I can definitely say the drunkenness is sin and God does not like that. But what about, you know, the social drinking? Why should I stay away from it? Why is the church a stand? No. And I know there are many churches around the world, many preachers around the world, some, you know, whatever. They may say it's okay, but no, I say it's not okay. And here's the reason why. You don't just wake up and become drunk. The path to drunkenness starts with the first sip. Yes or no? So, why even get started? Why even put yourself in that line? You'll be fine without it. And secondly, if there is an intruder standing outside your door, your front door, your front door can be in one of three positions. 
It could be open. It could be closed but not locked. It could be closed and locked. How would you like your front door to be? Closed and? Do you need to take a vote on that or something? (laughs) Because even if your front door is closed, if it's not locked, there's always the possibility that this intruder will open the door and come in. Is that right? So when you are socially drinking, you're in place number two. You've got your door closed, but it's not locked. Anytime, the intruder is going to come through. I'd rather that all of us have our front doors closed and locked. So even if the intruder attempts to push the door, sorry, it's locked. There is no entry point into my life. Amen? Now, I think it was in the month of February, a young man, he, he, he came, he, just, he was talking to me. He doesn't come to our church, so don't think it's any one of us here. <laughs> and uh, he was telling me his story. He said maybe some four or five years ago, he came to the Lord Jesus. Before that, his life was, you know, and all kinds of things, or drinking, all kinds of wrong things. But when he got saved, he got so wonderfully saved, he quit all of that. And he was growing wonderfully in God. Growing in the faith, growing in the things of God. Uh, but unfortunately, he ran into some pastors. This is after some years of beautiful growth in God. He ran into some pastors uh, and some Christian leaders who said, you know, social drinking is okay. So he started drinking. Why? Because the pastors told him it's okay. So he started drinking. So here he was sitting in front of me and he was saying, Pastor, you know, some of the best conversations I've had of sharing the gospel has been in a bar over a glass of beer. I couldn't take that any further. Once he got spiritual, I called him by his name. Let's say his name is Bob. That's not his real name. I said, Bob, the greatest deception is self-deception and you don't need the devil for it. Self-deception can get you to believe a lie as though it's the truth. I told him, don't go any further. The greatest deception is self-deception. You don't need the devil to lie. You know, it was not the devil who made Lucifer sin. Got it? It was not the devil who made Lucifer sin. Lucifer sin because of self-deception. And you don't need the devil to do that. And so then I explained to him this whole thing. Where today you're saying... You're drinking because you want to go share the gospel over a glass of beer. I can guarantee you in a few weeks from now, you'll be going to the bar not to share the gospel. But because you just want to make yourself feel good. After all, God is there. And I can guarantee you when you're under pressure and you you don't know how to handle that situation, you're going to visit the bar. This time, you don't need any friends to share the gospel. You don't need any excuse. You've got another excuse. And I can guarantee you before long, you're going to be trapped. So don't fool yourself. The best thing to do is to go back to the way you were as when you got saved. Zero drinking. Are you with me so far? So the point I'm trying to get across is renewing of your mind. You got to be careful. And sometimes, unfortunately, the wrong thinking comes through some Christian leaders. And you can, you've got to have the understanding to say no to that. I feel sorry for this young man because he was influenced by pastors, by Christian leaders to go into this. And, sorry. Right? So renewing our mind is so important. Changing our way of thinking. Now, I, I realize some people would say, you know, I need to do it because of business. And, all, and I know there's another category there because of business. I've sat in business meetings in different parts of the world. I've gone to the pub with my people doing business. They've ordered whatever they want. I've ordered my Coke. And we all came out alive. No problem. <laughs> so don't make that as an excuse. Yes, I went to the pub. 
They had their drinks, but I had my coke. And they're going to engage me not because I drink. They're going to engage me because of the work that I do. So don't make that an excuse. So we need to renew our... That was a little sidetracked because I felt the need to address it from the pulpit uh, so that, you know, we don't get carried away with this. So the first thing, first thing for me to live, for us to live from above is to renew our mind. Make sure our thinking is aligned to the Word of God. Are you with me so far? Secondly, for us to live from above, we must learn to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Walk yielded to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, talks about this in many places. I'm not going to explain this in detail. Just make mention of one verse, Galatians 5.16. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit. You will not give room to the works of the flesh, the things of the flesh, the things of this world. You own the place to it. Walk in the Spirit. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? It means I live a life that is yielded, submitted, sensitive to the Holy Spirit who dwells in me. I'm yielded to Him. I'm walking conscious with His presence and I'm engaging with Him. I'm walking in communion with Him, in relationship with Him. So I would not do anything that would hurt Him, that would grieve Him, or that would quench Him. I'm walking in the Spirit, walking yielded to the Holy Spirit. And that's important for us to live from above. And I'm not, I, I realize I'm not elaborating on this. So to summarize, to live from above, two things. I must live with a renewed mind and I must walk yielded to the Holy Spirit. Are you with me so far? Right. Now, next question. What if somebody is born from above but they live from beneath? What if somebody is born from above but we live from beneath? Well, then we end up being what the Bible calls as carnal Christians or carnally minded Christians. You read about this in Romans chapter 8. We'll read that passage and we'll read also a verse from 1 Corinthians 3. Romans 8, Paul says, those who live according to the flesh, that means they're living according to the ways of the world. They set their minds, their affections, the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit are things, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And then in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 3, Paul says, You are still carnal, for where there is envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So if I'm born from above, but I'm living from beneath, I'm living according to the ways of this world, I am like this carnally minded Christian. And what happens if I'm carnally minded? If you put all this, what we've read in these verses together, a carnally minded believer, he experiences death instead of life and peace. It's a mess. Instead of really experiencing life and peace, he's experiencing the things that are caused by death. He cannot please God. He actually finds himself doing things that are against God's ways because he's carnally minded. He's living from below. He ends up in bondage to sin and addictions. He finds it difficult to understand the things of the Spirit. So when you start talking about the Word and things of the Spirit, no, he finds that not so interesting. Behaving like mere men, like ordinary people. So that's what happens when we are born from above, but we live from below. So recommendation, that's not the way we want to live. Amen? So say this with me. I'm born from above to live from above. That's the only way we, we have to live as believers. Being born from above and living from beneath is not an option. It's a bad option. It's a mess. Now, 
let's talk about some paradoxes. A paradox is, some, is basically a statement which seems contradictory, but both parts of the statement are true at the same time. So in the context of what we are talking about, here's the first paradox. That as believers, we are to be spiritually minded, but we must also be earthly wise. We have to be spiritually minded, but be earthly wise. That's important. Because when people hear a message like this, you know, I'm born from above, to live from above, so forget this world. And uh, we get so spiritually minded, we start thinking about all the things of, of God, and that's good. We just, you know, immerse ourselves in the Word, and all that, it's all good. But then they make a mess of their daily lives, their practical life or not. There's a big mess. Why? Because they're not being earthly wise. True wisdom in this context is the ability to take spiritual things and translate them into real, effective, practical ways. That's the wisdom of God. To take what He has spoken and then say, okay, how do I live it out on this earth? So we are called to be spiritually minded and yet be earthly wise. It's a paradox. It seems contradictory, but that's the way we're supposed to walk and live. Jesus said in Matthew 10, I think it's verse 16, He said, I'm sending you a sheep among wolves. God be with you. Make good mutton chops. <laughs> that's not what He said. He said, I'm sending you a sheep among wolves, but be wise as serpents. Be wise. And be harmless. So you're going into an hostile environment. Here's your key to success. Be wise while you're being harmless. You can't retaliate. You can't be a wolf. You've got to be, ha- be harmless like a dove. But what's going to preserve you? What's going to make you a victor? You've got to be wise. Or in the 16th chapter of Luke 16 verse 8. Uh, after Jesus gave the parable of the unjust, the story of the unjust steward. He said this, he made this remark. He said, the sons of this world are wiser than the sons of light in their generation. Now that's not the way it's supposed to be because he goes on to talk about what's required of the sons of light. But he's making a remark and that's not the way it's supposed to be. The sons of, the li- of light are to be wiser than the sons of this world because we have access to the wisdom that comes from God. Are you with me? So take for example, you know, a person is so spiritual... Very good. He gets in connect with God. And he receives God's plan for his life. That you know, God says, you know, I want you to start a business. Wonderful. But he doesn't use earthly wisdom to step into it. He goes and resigns his job. Says, you know, God told me to start a business. I'm going to start a business. And then everything goes. He just resigns his job. He's without a job. And, and then he's in a big mess. Because he didn't plan. He didn't walk into it wisely. What I run into many times. Are, past, are preachers. Men, of, men and women of God. People of God. Truly called of God. Truly anointed of God. No question about their calling. But when they feel called, they quit their job. Just maybe two, three weeks ago, I was spending time with this person from Tamil Nadu. A chemical engineer. Wonderful man of God. Prophetic ministry, etc. If you ask me, was he a genuine man of God? Yes. Uh, did he have true call? Yes. No questions about that. But he just quit his job. And then he tried to do a little business. It fall failed. Huge debt. And now... Everything is in a mess. He's married, two kids, no ministry, nothing. Big mess. True call? Yes. So what's the point? The point is, while we are being spiritual, we need to be earthly wise. We need to, we need to have wisdom to walk into the plan and the purpose of God. 
So we have to be spiritually minded and earthly. It's paradoxical, but that's the way we're supposed to live. You with me? I'm going to, let's deal with a few more paradoxes. Now, these are more theological in nature, but I feel the need to address these, these things because uh, of what's happening in the Christian world at large. Uh, there's a lot of teaching, lots of things going on in the world. In one sense, it's good. But on the other side, uh, there is nobody holding the preaching accountable. And so, so much of information is being released. And sometimes, if you don't understand the two sides, the spiritual and the natural, many people get into trouble. I'm talking about believers get into trouble. The second set of paradoxes that I'm going to look, just make mention of has to do with the spiritual and the natural life of the believer. What we find in the Bible is that God has completed things in the spirit, but they are still works in progress in the natural. It's completed, but still a work in progress. It's completed in the spirit, but in the natural, it's still a work in, in progress. And as believers, we are living in both. We are connected to the spiritual, but we are also living in the natural as people. Are you with me so far? And so we need to correctly understand what the Bible teaches about these things and how we have to walk in it, and I will get to it, but let's talk about some of these paradoxes. The first one is this. The Bible says, we are complete, yet we are working progress. Now all the scriptures have given there, some of these scriptures, let's change the slide please. Some of the scriptures, the first set of scriptures deal with the fact that we are complete. Some of the scriptures towards the end will refer to the second part of that statement. So as, as a believer, you are complete in Christ. Colossians 2 verse 10 says, we are complete in Him. But then the Bible also says, 2 Corinthians 3.18, we are being changed from glory to glory. Why would you want to change something that's already completed? It's a paradox. Both are true. In Christ you are complete. But here on earth you are being changed from glory to glory. Think about the next one. The Bible says we are perfected. The Bible also says we are being perfected. Hebrews 10.14, by one sacrifice he has perfected. That means it's done. First, first, first Peter 5.10, Peter says that God will, through all that you're going through, will make you perfect. Or Colossians 4.12, Epaphras is praying for the believers that they will stand perfect. Why are you praying for something that's already completed, perfected? It's because in the spirit we are perfected. But in the natural, we are being perfect. Let's look at the next one. We are sanctified and yet we are being sanctified. Sanctified means you're being made set apart for God. You're holy. So the Bible says that we have been sanctified forever. Work is done. The Bible also says we are being sanctified. Meaning here on earth, you're in every area of your life, you're bringing it back to God and you're setting it apart for God, making it holy. Are you with me so far? Let's look at the next one. We are hidden, yet visible. Colossians 3.3 says we are hidden in Christ. We are covered, we are concealed in Christ. Now, you might have heard or you may hear some preaching that goes like this. Because you're hidden in Christ, God doesn't see your sin. The Bible says you're hidden in Christ, no? I'm serious. So God doesn't see your sin. Hey, but read the rest of the New Testament. Hebrews 4.13 says we stand naked before God. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 says that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of the things done in our body, both good and bad. So, sin is being watched. 
First Corinthians 4, 5, God will expose the hearts of all men and he will judge us according to the motives of our hearts. He's not only watching what you do, he's also watching your motives. That's also being noted. So, we are hidden, concealed and covered in Christ, yet we are completely visible to God. Paradox, both sides are true. But if you swing to only one side, you'll come up with error, which a lot of error is being preached around the world today in the church based on this. Are you with me? Look at the next one. We are new creation, yet we are being renewed. So on one side, I am a new creation. Work is done. But on the other side, there are scriptures that tell me that this new man is being renewed in his image, in the knowledge of his image. My mind needs to be renewed. So in the spirit, the work is done. In the natural, it's a work in progress. Look at the other one. You're righteous, yet we have to be repentant. So the Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Christ is our righteousness. And so one of the er erroneous teachings that's going around in the world today is because we are the righteousness of God, when you sin, it's not really sin. You don't need to repent of it. Sorry. Read the rest of the New Testament. Yes, we are righteous in Jesus, but yet the believer is called to repent. In the same epistles, in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, that the Apostle Paul wrote, in 1 Corinthians he says, Jesus is our righteousness, but then he rebukes the man who sinned in the church. In 2 Corinthians he says, we are the righteousness of God, but yet he says, godly sorrow is good because it leads you to repentance. So we get into error if we go only on one side. When Jesus spoke to the church in Revelation, to many of the churches, he said, repent. Why tell a church, repent, if it's already made righteous? Because you're righteous in the realm of the spirit. In the natural realm, if you sin, you have to repent of it. And godly sorrow, there's got to be godly sorrow. There's another teaching that going around the world, you don't, guilt is not of God. You don't need conviction. You don't need godly sorrow. Sorry, it's in the Bible. You need godly sorrow to at lead you to repentance. Are you with me? We are raised with new life and yet we have to be killed, crucified. Paradox. If I'm raised to live a new life, God, why are you telling me to die? You're raised to walk in a newness of life in Christ. But on the earth, you've got to die to yourself. You've got to crucify your flesh. Next one. We are possessing, we are already having, but yet we have to press in. Why would you try to get into a room that you're already inside? Paradox. But in the spirit, you're possessing everything. God has already given it to you. In the natural, you got to press in. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. But in the natural, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. Are you with me so far? Maybe one last one. We are resting, yet laboring. Hebrews 3 says, you know, uh, Hebrews 4, that uh, we have entered into this rest. And he who has entered into, the, into this rest has ceased from his works. So basically the Bible is saying you come, you rest, don't do any work. There's a rest in Christ. But yet, the rest of the New Testament says things like, we wrestle against principalities and powers. It says, without works, your faith is useless. Without works, your love is useless. Without deeds, your love is useless. And all these references are there on the screen. And yet the Bible says, work out your own salvation. So you come and rest, but please do some work. Contradictory. But it's all in the New Testament. Your rest is in Christ. But on the natural, better do some work. Work out your own salvation. Paul says, I labored. I worked diligently. So why is this important for us to understand? 
Or how does this help us? How do we apply this? So as we live our life from above, we must understand that God has already completed this work in the spiritual. And in the natural, I am living out of a completed work. Which means, your success, your victory is guaranteed. It's like, you're going to go and play a football game where the game has already been won, 4-0. It's already won, 4-0. But you still have to get on the field and play it and make sure you score the four goals. But the game's already won in the spirit. So because all this has been already completed in the spirit and I live out of that completed work, I know I can walk into it. I know it is mine. I know I can press into it. But I also understand I must do my part here on earth. My will is involved. I co-labor with God to do it. Empowered by His grace, empowered by His Spirit, but I am responsible here on earth to walk into what He has already, already completed in the Spirit. Is this okay? Have we understood it? If we swing to either side, we get into error. If we swing to this side, as I was trying to point out, of saying it's already done, it's all... This spirit is all already done the spirit, so you don't have to do anything in the natural. Then you enter, you come into an era where the believer is passive, doesn't do anything. If you swing to the other, other extreme, thinking it's all by my effort, you run into a side where it's similar to living under the law, as though it's by your efforts. But when we keep the right balance, saying, I know it's completed in the spirit, and here I am by faith, by the grace of God. Uh, by my co-laboring with God, I'm walking into these things. I know that I'm responsible, yet I cannot take credit for any of it because it is already done by God. And it's a pure gift of grace. Amen? So in order to live from above, I live knowing that the work has been completed for me in the spiritual realm, in Jesus. And all we are doing here on earth is walking into it empowered by His grace. I'm co-laboring with him. I'm joining my will, my determination, my faith with him to walk into those things. I want to close with this here about the power of living from above. God has ordained that all of us who have been born from above will live victorious lives, will be overcomers. 1 John 5, 4 says, Whoever is born of God overcomes the... So you are an overcomer. Because you're born of God, you are going to overcome the world. The world represents everything of darkness, the sin, uh, the forces of darkness. You are born of God. You are an overcomer. That's who you are. Romans 5 verse 17 says that those of us who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in life. We rule in life. That's God's design. That we will have dominion here on earth. But here's the key. In order to be overcomers, in order to reign in life, we've got to live from above. We are born from above. If we want to be overcomers, we want to reign in life, we've got to live from above. Born from above, living from beneath is a messy way to live. So we are born from above to live from above. We live out of our identity, our life, our position in Him. And according to His worlds, His kingdoms, ways and principles... And this is the only way to live as a believer. This is the key to living victoriously as Christians. Amen? Let's rise to our feet. Let's call our worship team up, please. As believers, let's take a few moments here and say, God, I want to live from above. And I want to renew my mind. I want to walk yielded and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I want to live like that.
would we just take a few moments of prayers, believers? Because that's the way to live a victorious life. That's the way to be the overcomers God wants you to be. That's the way by which you and I can rule, reign, dominate life. So would you take this moment to pray, please? And say, God, I want to live from above. I want to renew my mind. I want to yield my thinking to your word. And I I want to walk yielded to your Holy Spirit. You pray and say, Holy Spirit, come fill me. I want to be yielded to you. I want to live this life from above. Would you please pray? And God, I want to reject wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Father, we just pray here this morning. I pray, God, over every person here, Lord, that we will live from above, from what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. That we will all live according to your ways, your principles, and what you want us to do, Lord. That we will have the courage, the guts, the strength to refuse to live a life of compromise and choose to live a life that's settled according to your word and established according to your words. Holy Spirit, I just invite you, Lord God, even now, to work in every heart, every life, every mind, and change the things that need to be changed to God. Bring us aligned to your will, your way, your purpose. Move upon us, O Lord, and do this in our hearts, we pray. Let's just take a few more minutes just praying and looking to the Lord and let Him just seal this word in our hearts and by His Spirit.
Before we close this morning, does anybody here, you've never given your heart to Jesus, and you like to pray this morning and say, Lord Jesus, make me a new person. I want to be born from above. I want to have this life that comes from God. And you feel that in your heart, and I just want to lead you in a prayer that you could pray with me this morning. And experience this life from God. If there's anyone here you would like to do this, you can pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I want to be born from above. 
I need to be born from above. I receive you into my life. Forgive my sins. And give me this life from above. And help me to follow you the rest of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Is anyone here this morning, you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time? Even if there's one person here, we just like to know that you've done it. If you don't mind, could you please put your hand up? Anybody, you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. Anybody here? Can I see your hands? Anybody? Anybody outside? I'm not, I can't see that. I don't see anybody hand, any hands here this morning. You did that? God bless you. God bless you right up here. Wonderful, wonderful. Amen. God bless you. Anybody else? I'm not sure of anybody outside, but God bless you. We'd like to give you this bag that has some material in it. And also, if you just write your card, uh, fill in that card with your name and contact number. Help us teach, be in touch with you. And Monique, you can help her with that. God bless. All right. So if you need prayer, for our, uh, if you would like us to pray with you for anything that's personal, healing, you need to be set free from something. We'll be available here to pray with you. I'll be happy to be here to minister to you. Uh, at 1 o'clock, there's a VIP banquet right here. For those of you who received the invitation, please stay back. We'll try to spend some time with you, get to know you, have lunch together. All right? Are you guys happy? Or did the sermon make you sad? <laughs> you okay? All right, let's close. Father, we thank you. That it is you, O God, and unto you, Lord, we give all the glory. That you are the one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, God. Above all that we can ask or think or imagine. According to your power that's at work in each of us. And Lord, unto you, Lord, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday afternoon. Enjoy your time at home. Those who want to take some special Mother's Day gift, it's available out there. Have a great afternoon. See you again. Thanks. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.